and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. My name is Ryan Saba, the most electrifying voice in sports information. And with me, as always... It's me, it's me, it's Lukey C. What are we talking about today? Well, today, I think a short one. We're going to do a little bit of a recap of the Super Bowl. Obviously, it was a great game, so I want to make sure that we give our thoughts and takes on that. And then we're going to do NBA All-Star Game coming up this weekend. We haven't really talked a lot of NBA during the first half of the season, so we're going to do... A little bit of a NBA midseason review. You good? Yeah, let's let's do it. Before we get into the show, word from Bet Online: Football might be over, but BetOnline.ag remains your number one spot for NBA and college action with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. What do you got this week? So they have a pretty cool uh, a pretty cool thing here at Bet Online. You could take Rom if any of these guys wins. Rom Cantley Thomas. Uh, it's JT, DJ, or Morikawa. That's plus 201 if any of those uh, five guys win. And uh, the field is minus 245 in that bet. I'm taking the bet. I think one of those five guys shows up and wins this event. And, uh, you know, you can't go wrong betting with those five guys, five of the best golfers in the world. So give me that Rom, Cantley, Thomas, Johnson, Morikawa group at plus 201 to win the Genesis Open. All right. I like it. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. From basketball, NHL, boxing, and the UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right. A little bit of a Super Bowl recap. Great game. Big takeaways. What do you got? Uh, not a ton to add to, uh, you know, to what's already out there in the ether. I will say I think that the Bengals let one get away here. You know, I don't think that they were robbed or anything like that by the refs. I mean, we saw down the sideline there, Higgins got away with a little face grab early in the second half. I think it was the at the first or second play of the half, but um, he grabbed uh, Ramsey's face mask. And I just think that that call, the holding call on Logan Wilson, the linebacker on third down, was just tough. I think it was in that game, you know, I was watching the game with uh, with Bridget's uncle, uh, happened to be over, and, and he was like, this has been a great game. There's been like three flags. I looked it up right then. There was there was there had been three flags, you know. I just thought it was a tough call to make, especially in the play before when there actually was pass interference, and they, they didn't throw it. And then just in those last two minutes, just they made a disaster of it. Let but. me say one thing there. The entire first half, and really up until that drive where they started actually throwing flags, mm -hmm. there was probably a handful, so let's call it four, four occurrences where Cincinnati DBs were literally holding one of – the Rams wide receivers arms down when the ball was coming and they tried to catch it with one hand. I think Sean McVay got in their ear and said, look, these guys are, are holding the receivers at the right time. And it paid off to me. They missed a couple and they came back. And first of all, the one on Eli Apple was no doubt about it. Right. The mm -hmm. one on Logan, Logan Wilson was a little bit questionable. Right. But, you know, he still did a little bit of a tug, and I get it. Um, I've heard that take this week, and I was sitting there watching the game, and I was a little shocked they weren't calling more early in the game because of some of the blatant stuff that was happening uh, down the field. So, And, yeah, and I, you know, with, with that stuff going on, I just felt that in that moment, in it, you know, with the flow of the game, that was just kind of a tough call. You know, the one on Apple, yeah, no doubt about it. But at that point, the score felt a little – you know, the touchdown coming for L.A. felt a little uh, inevitable. But um, both coaches were, were pretty bad, specifically in the second half. I, I mean, I think there was like four for the Bengals and three consecutive three and outs where they were just trying to run the ball 
And then, you know, Stafford couldn't... Stafford was good from the first quarter. You know, I think he was like 9 of 10 uh, for 120 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter. And that was it until the final drive. Like, he came up big for him in the final drive, but, um, you know, he had a, he had a nice pass there to uh, to Cup with the little no-look there, which was a nice play to set up Vaughn Bell, move move Vaughn Bell out of the zone, and then hit hit Cooper Cup behind him. Uh, but I just thought largely he was just okay. You know, I, I didn't think that he did anything spectacular. I just felt like both coaches kind of froze up a little bit, and and it, it showed there, especially through that third quarter after the Bengals took the lead. And it's kind of like, okay, let's just let's just try and get out of here. You know, they were they were trying to run the ball, and then on that last drive, you know, not having they had P Ryan out there, and I get it, it's a two minute offense. You want to have you want to keep your personnel out there, but they were sitting on two timeouts, and we talked about it going in. You know, both coaches very do very weird, you know, game management stuff. I think that. Taylor, I'm not so sure, but I, I'm pretty sure that Sean McVay is a great X's and O's coach. Um, it's just game manager stuff. I think he's got to have – he might have to have someone in his ear, you know, telling him, hey, 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 we got we to gotta get – you know, don't challenge this play. Use this time out here. Nothing nothing specifically along those lines in this game, but just stuff that we've seen. I thought Aaron Donald should have been the MVP. You know, I have no problem with it going to Cup, you know, so I don't have a big gripe there. And, and the only other thing I'll take away from this game is – the Stafford Hall of Fame talk is is just mind blowing to me. Like, I don't understand why we can't just have a guy go. Oh, you know what? He put together a nice little run with a good team, and he won a Super Bowl. I don't know what it is about this one football game in particular that makes people lose their minds. I mean, his run wasn't even as good as Joe Flacco's, and I don't hear anyone screaming for Joe Flacco to be put in the Hall of Fame. I looked it up too when I, when I was looking this up. You know, Flacco had more touchdowns. Flacco had no picks. He had, um, you know, I think he had 12, 12.7 uh, air yards per attempt, whereas Stafford was around 8.7. They had similar EPA. To me, Flacco's run was better. And then also, while looking this up, I was like, I just want to look at, see what Cap did that same year that he that that he lost in the Super Bowl. His numbers were better than Stafford's. So, like, it, I just, I don't know. And this kind of goes back to, to me just kind of talking about early in the show, early when we were first started doing this, and I said, wins are overrated. And what I meant by that was, you know, we overrate this one game every single year. Like, I'm not going to get into the whole thing with, with, you know, if the Bengals continue on that drive and they score a touchdown as time expires and they win the game and Stafford never even gets to come back out and touch the ball again, you know, what what, what, what are they saying about him today? Certainly it isn't he's a Hall of Famer, even though his numbers would be the exact same and he would never even have a chance to come back on the field. I just, I I think that people just lose their mind when it comes to this one game. But I do think that the Bengals let one get away there. What about you? What were, you, what were your big takeaways? Yeah, look, I, I'll say one thing there. Yes, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the Matt Stafford Hall of Fame stuff. It, it, look, it's the hardest game to win. It's the hardest single game to win in sports. It's the hardest sport to win in game in and game out. So there is added bonus when you win the Super Bowl, and I get that. A lot of the people that are making the Stafford Hall of Fame conversation, it really has to do with his overall numbers. He's like a top, he's like a top 10 in yards or maybe 11th in yards all time. Look, if we start going on that, Every guy that's played in the last <laughs> 10 years is going to be a Hall of Famer because it's a different league, you know, more <laughs> touchdowns, more passing. So he I has think one, he has one, one Pro Bowl. No, one. I get it. I agree with you. I, I don't, I, I don't disagree. I mean, look, where the line is drawn for me when it comes to borderline Hall of Fame is Eli Manning. I do not think Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's got great, good numbers. That, to me, if if you cannot say that you have had a better career than Eli Manning, then you don't even get start. That's where it starts. That's where the line starts. And if how, however far back you are, that's, that's where you got to get to before there's even a conversation about you being a Hall of Famer. That's my opinion. He- that's not a bad line of uh, demarcation. He, he's Eli. Uh, sorry, Stafford is listed on Pro Football. Pro Football Reference is twelfth in all-time passing yards with forty-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-five. Eli, just for reference, is fifty-seven thousand. So he's about eight thousand behind Eli. Eli's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He beat Tom Brady twice in the Patriots twice. Like, it's just 
So I don't know. Like I think I think Rivers might be a Hall of Famer, but but no, maybe, I mean that's just getting into is. a different conversation. But. It is right, you know. It, it it certainly is, but I just I agree with the the Stafford stuff. I'm going to start with yeah. Joe Burrow. I did not think Joe Burrow had a had a, had a very good game. What I will say though is I thought when he hurt his knee that he was fucking done. And we found out either today or yesterday that he had a sprained MCL that he played through. So got to give a shout out to Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe went out there. He toughed through it. Maybe he comes back. Maybe this is a Dan Marino situation. He never gets back. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and play the prediction game on Joe Burrow's career because that's not what this is about. This is just that's a guy who showed you how to take a franchise on his back, showed you how to be a franchise quarterback, showed you how to make big plays when it mattered most, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs. And the deficiencies of that team just, they came to light. It let it, it let it let him down in the end. They know what they need to work on in the off season. And that's the reality. But I thought Joe Burrow, even though he didn't have a great game, he had a great season. And I don't want a bad half of football or whatever to be overshadowed by how great of a year that he had and how really far ahead of schedule he actually is. The other big takeaways, Odell played great. I was happy to see the hard work pay off for him. Obviously, living in a little bit of an echo chamber of Brown's Twitter, you got a lot of people who are happy for him, a lot of people who weren't happy for him. I was happy for him. I know you were happy for him. It was a shame to see him go down with another knee injury. We're getting into a place now where I don't think his his career is over, but when you start tearing ACLs in both knees, you start having multiple ACL tears in consecutive seasons and things like that. That's the name of this game, this sport. You just kind of start breaking down and – it was a shame to see him go down with another knee injury. I thought, and I and I text this to you. I possibly he was on his way to the MVP. I wholeheartedly the, agree with the way that the Bengals were playing defense. They were saying, "Okay, we're going to let Odell beat us." And look, he could have had fifteen catches for <laughs> hundred and fifty yards and two touchdowns. You know, like that was yeah. just the way it was shaping up. And the game really changed when he left. It I did. It did. The Rams had to, even at halftime, I don't think they came out in, at the half and and really had ma- and made a lot of adjustments. So it was really just sort of backyard football, last drive of the game that that changed things. I thought we you talked about how the two head coaches really didn't do a great job. I will tell you one coach that I did think did a great job, and that was the Rams defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. The Bengals' offensive line held up for two quarters. When the levy broke, it was over. And, and the levy broke because of Raheem Morris making the adjustment at halftime. They figured out that they need to start to stack the line one way or the other to Aaron Donald, sort of overload the line so the center couldn't come over and double Aaron Donald. And once they kind of made that adjustment and Aaron Donald figured out that that adjustment had been made, he was unstoppable at that point. Even if he wasn't getting to Joe Burrow and sacking him, the right or left guard, whichever way he was shaded, was was right in Joe Burrow's face. He was pressuring Joe Burrow. In the second half, Joe was running a lot. So I think that the one coach that really deserves the kudos in this is Raheem Morris for making the adjustment and saying, okay, this is the way that we're playing this. Let's start shading. Let's start stacking the defensive line, whichever way, or the offensive line, whichever way that we've got AD shaded, and it and it really paid off. Really, those were the only. Um, there were only really two adjustments made in the game. M- Morris made the one where he started walking the linebacker, um, number fifty. I don't. I, I don't know his name. The they walked him up to. Yeah, they put him on the line head. of scrimmage. They put him on the line of scrimmage, like you said, so they could get single coverage. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's what really opened up Aaron Donald. But I, I wanted to add something real quick. If you haven't heard this, uh, Joe Thomas was on the Brian Rosillo podcast last week, and he had a, f- uh, a amazing story about Aaron Donald. He's like, look, Aaron Donald is always given, uh, you know, 100%, but, like, 
you don't ever want to piss him off. You know, he's like, so I was always, you know, whenever you're playing him, I was always very careful not to block beyond the whistle or not do anything and like make sure everyone around me know, hey, don't piss this guy off. He's like, you'd never want to tug on Superman's cape because he goes to another level when he gets pissed off. And he's it's already hard enough to block him. But when he goes to this other level, forget about it. And when he hit Joe Burrow on the sideline, totally Which clean was play, totally by the way. Totally clean, exactly. Totally clean, totally clean play. This just shows you how strong he is because he, I mean, he chucked him, but it was completely 100% clean. And the, the tackle who got his ass kicked came over, didn't like it, didn't like it very much, got in his face. And that was it. From there on, Aaron Donald controlled the line of scrimmage. He controlled the game. Yeah, they had one point. sack in the first half, and they had seven, seven yeah. in the second half. Um, I think six, six in the second half, seven total, I okay. think was the number. But, um, but yeah, just as. That story like stuck out to me when they said that, and I watched him. I watched him get pissed off and grab the, and I'm like, okay, this is it. Like he's going to take over the game, and he absolutely did. And oh, by the way, for anybody on the Bengals side complaining about officiating, there was two situations in that skirmish on the sideline where they could have called and or ejected a Bengals player for hitting not only Aaron Donald in the face but also hitting. I think it was number 50, the linebacker, who came up and tried to break things up, and another bangle came up and, and, and hit him in the face. So mm. I was really surprised that they didn't get a little bit more aggressive with the flags in that situation. Obviously, it didn't lead to anything else, but I think both teams were getting a little frustrated with the stagnant, how stagnant the game was in the second half, and there was a little bit of chippiness. One additional thing I'll say there is, you know, obviously I, I, I text you and I don't think you even heard it, but in the pregame, right before the game kicked off, Michelle Tafoya kind of snuck in, Aaron Donald talking about retiring, just something to keep an eye on. You got a guy like that. We know guys are retiring younger now. I see you making a gesture about money. You know, maybe he wants more money. Maybe it's the whole Kyler Murray thing. Maybe he scrubs the Rams from his from his IG here. So. <laughs> I don't think he's going to go that route. He was a little buzzed at the parade today saying, let's run it back. But no, I think, I think him and I, I think McVay both, you know, they, they talked about a little bit about that uh, retirement talk came up a little bit for both of them. And, and uh, personally, I think, I think they're trying to get some more, some more money. Hey, and I they should, know. they earned it. I think they earned it. How old Sean McVay? 36. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's, yeah, I think he, I think he is. I mean, that would be the total Gruden route, right? Early on, goes to a couple Super Bowls, wins one, takes some time off, goes and makes five, eight, ten million dollars a year to be on Monday Night Football or whatever. Does that for about ten years, then goes back to coaching. I could see him actually doing that. To be honest with you, when you are uh, an announcer on TV, you're not in the building at four a.m. working twenty-hour days. And all that shit. Being a coach is fucking hard, man. Not only oh, that, I, I'm not. I'm not discounting that. I, I mean, I totally agree. Not only that, you're going to get fired eventually. Like you will. Sean McVay will be fired from if he stays. Will be fired from the Rams. Like that's just that's the way this game works. Now, I guess Belichick's probably the one exception to the rule, and maybe he does end up getting fired by the Patriots. Who knows? But every coach gets. Hey, fired he's been by fired. He's been fired. <laughs> Yeah, they get fired or they or they retire, and that's kind of the way, or they get traded, right? Um, but that that's about it. So anyway, the last thing I want to say is, you know, the last drive, it was reminisce, reminiscent of what we've seen kind of all season, but especially in the postseason, the Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup thing, they kind of just went off script and just said, all right, look, we're not going to screw around with plays. Like, you run this route. You know, this guy clears out. I just I just got the sense that it was a very sort of backyard vibe. Look, Cooper Cup's unstoppable. Right now, in the moment, he is unstoppable. I think he had one of not I think he had one of the greatest statistical seasons ever. It was nice to see a guy like that who's been through so much on been through so much adversity, kind of an underdog his whole career, win the Super Bowl MVP. Chances are Cooper Cup is never going to have another season like he did this year. So it was really nice to see him kind of cap it all off, complete underdog story, just really happy for that dude. And, you know, the inventor of the no, of the no-look pass, he had his repertoire on, on full display on that fourth quarter drive. So it was really nice. 
I love the no look pass. So I just want to say that I was glad to see Matt Stafford kind of show the world that. Can they hear my eyes rolling? You in the car listening. Can you hear them rolling? A lot of guys do that. I think Aaron Rodgers does no look passes too. But anyways, Matt Stafford, a lot of arm angles, a lot of, lot of, lot of arm angles in that one. So I was, I was just really, really happy. I was really happy for the team. I was really disappointed for the Bengals. I was disappointed for Joe Burrow. You know, it was another great season. That's all I can say. Another great season in the NFL. Obviously, for us as Browns fans, it was a disappointing season, but we got everything that we wanted. Great regular season. Great, outstanding, outstanding postseason. And a a really good Super Bowl with a top three or four halftime show of all time. Oh yeah, love the halftime show. It was great. Um, one it more wasn't parting. The best. One more part. I I don't know. That was the first one I've ever seen start to finish. So I I, I don't really have much Do input here. Do me a here. favor. Google Prince Miami. Prince in Miami. Purple rain in the rain. They went to Prince. They said, "Listen, it's going to be raining out. Are you worried about it with all the electrical equipment?" Prince looked at him and said, "Can you make it rain more?" So, and then he went out there and fucking killed it. Anybody out there that did not see, it's probably 10, 12 years old. Prince in Miami, Google it. It's the best halftime show of all time. I really enjoyed the halftime show, but it's not the best. Yeah, like I said, I I, I liked it. It's the first one I've seen. I'll have to check out the, the full Prince performance. All right, one off-season question. One, because we'll have plenty of time to talk off-season. This is a yes Oh, I remember my thought. I remember okay, my thought. You know, I, I, it was something I saw on Twitter. Um, I can't remember who said it, but he said, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll remember the uh, the Burrow comeback in Arrowhead long after we've forgotten that the Rams had won this Super Bowl. So the future's bright for Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's got a uh, you know, great career ahead of him, and they just let one get away. They're, they're, they, they, they'll probably have more shot at it. I think that's very valid. All right. One offseason question. Yes or no? We got seven months until the regular season starts. This is a spur of the moment. I want yes or no. Don't think about it. Just the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Ready? Yep. Will the Cleveland Browns have a new quarterback week one in 2022? No. I have no bolded on mine as well. All right. Before we move to the NBA, a word from NordVPN. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the best VPN service offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's ultimate bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So use your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, or use the promo code B-L-E-A-V. Get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. And it's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All right. NBA midseason review. So let's do it this way. Let's talk surprises. And then I want to throw in one little question there in the middle. I want to sandwich the question. And then at the end, we'll go back to our regular season, our, our early season predictions and make any adjustments. All right. So I guess tell us, tell me what you think the biggest surprises of this season are so far. I mean, obviously I think the biggest surprise is uh, Memphis and John Morant just balling out of control. here. I think, I think they have the three seed right now. They do. Um, They're 41 yeah. and 18. Yeah. That's just insane. I think I saw another thing too, that they have like uh 39 games or something decided by 10 or more points and uh they've won like 27 of those something something along those lines it's just just insane what they're doing and, and you know, we, we talked about it earlier on a show earlier this year they went through a long stretch without John I think they won like nine of ten games or something without him early on and 
you know, he came back and they didn't miss a beat. You know, they had flipped a switch defensively when he went out and they came back and, and they're still right there. So Memphis definitely is a big surprise. Cleveland's obviously a big surprise. Lost their two their two biggest most recent tests to uh, Atlanta last night and um, Philly last week. Uh, got some good, uh, you know, some good high pressure, you know, ex- exposure to uh, to what the playoffs are going to look like for them. So once once they get there, but you know, they need to, they have some things that they need to clean up. And they, they've had they I mean they've been and this is no excuse. Everyone in the league has has had some some stuff going on, but. I feel like they've had a little bit more, and now they're trying to integrate Karis LeVert. But a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. Um, I still don't think they're starting their their best five. Laurie Markkinen's hopefully resuming basketball activities after the uh, All-Star break. Hopefully get him back. But definitely a big surprise there. Um, I think those are the two biggest ones. I mean, I, I don't I don't really have any others. So the one thing I'll say, Ja, you know, obviously Ja's having a great year. Coming into this for the folks that have been listening to this show for a long time, I was more of a jaw guy than a Zion guy coming out of college just because I just really like jaw. I like the way that he played. Um, he's sort of a, a further upgrade to Russell Westbrook. Maybe doesn't do some of the things as well, but does kind of shoots better, but he's athletic. He, he distributes the ball. Just a really, really big John Morant fan. I kind of put them as a, as a notable Right. I, I wouldn't say they are the biggest surprise, but they're right there. So I fully expect him to win. He'll, he'll get MVP buzz, but he'll definitely win most improved player. I think the two biggest surprises from a team standpoint are the Lakers and the Cavs. Cavs, they're currently sitting at the four seed. You already kind of talked about it. They've been as high as the two seed this season they hit a rough stretch lately i think that's a combination it's youth i mean they're a young team and when you were at my house for the christmas party or the holiday party and my boy sugar shane was talking about wanting to go to the Cavs game and being all jacked up when they went to charlotte and i kind of said look they're young they're gonna let you down i think this team shows a lot of promise they got a bright future ahead of them they're a little bit ahead of schedule they've made some moves that i think are going to be beneficial but, you know, we'll see. The, the, the youth and injuries are starting to kind of catch up to them a little bit. And they have a 10-game stretch in early March where they play basically all playoff teams. And that's really going to decide the season in terms of are they a three seed or are they a seven seed, you know? And 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 I think we're going to learn a lot about that team. I think it starts on like March 2nd or 3rd, and then there's a 10-game stretch uh, through through the month of March that we're going to learn a lot about that team. The Lakers, you know, they're obviously a surprise in a different way. They're currently sitting in the ninth seed. They're between the, the Clippers, who don't, who don't have Kawhi, and the Blazers. The Lakers have been really bad. There's a lot of dysfunction with that team. LeBron's been amazing, right? It's his 19th season. It's best 19th season in NBA history. There's not a lot of guys who have played 19 seasons, but... He's right at the top of the of the scoring race. Guy's phenomenal. He just passed Kareem last week for most points in NBA history, not in the regular season, but in the regular season in the playoffs combined. Obviously, if it was just the regular season scoring, you would have heard there would have been much more fanfare, but he's on pace to pass him, I think, next year or something. So, you know, he'll do that in the year that he turns 38. Anthony Davis has been hurt. You know, Charles Barkley and Shaq kind of joke on inside the NBA on TNT and they call him street clothes and they got pissed. Anthony Davis got pissed last year and didn't like it. But the reality is, is he's hurt again, you know, and Russ just kind of isn't fitting in there. They've I will give them a little bit of credit. They did not, they're not so worried. They being Rob Palenka and, and the other front office executives. I saw that there was a trade deadline that Houston called him and said, we'll give you John Wall for Russ in the first round draft pick, which would be like their, their 2027 first round draft pick. I'm really glad they didn't pull the trigger on that. They weren't so desperate that they did that, but. Yeah, but they could have thrown in Taylor Horton Tucker and gotten Gordon back which I think was probably good, you know, but. I think LeBron wants Russell Westbrook. I think that's fairly obvious at this point. Yeah, and I I think that um, they probably have to to clear all trades through LeBron. 
And LeBron probably said no, because he really likes, oh boy, I, Taylor Horton, what's his third, la- second last name? <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker. Tucker, yeah, he really likes him too. He had a really good preseason like two years ago, and LeBron loves him for it. Uh, but anyway, I would say from a team perspective, the Cavs and the Lakers have been the biggest surprises. From a player perspective, it, I think it's DeMar DeRozan. I, I mean, the guy is doing things for the Bulls that no player's done since Michael Jordan in terms of like scoring in consecutive games. He had 40 the other night. And that includes Derrick Rose in his MVP season. And, you know, the Bulls are they're tied for the one seed in the Eastern Conference with the Heat. So, you know, DeMar DeRozan, he's another one that's he's not going to win the MVP, but he's going to get buzz and he's never been an MVP caliber player before, even in his time with Toronto, he's playing the best basketball of his career right now over an extended period. And I think that he is from a player perspective, the biggest surprise. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I I still don't think that he's a, an MVP caliber player, but that's just my opinion. And, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think he will win the, the, the the MVP. And I'm not saying that you think he will either, but, uh, just my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so let's let's move, before we get to a recap of what our regular season predictions were, I want to talk about the big trade last week. Obviously, there was a lot of trades last week. A lot of action at the trade deadline, but oh, it's a great trade deadline. Great great trade dead, trade deadline. The big one was obviously James Harden for Ben Simmons. We talked about it last week. We kind of came to the conclusion that we didn't think it would go down, but it actually ended up happening. You know, I guess the question is, who do you think saying who won the trade is probably the wrong way to go about it. Which team do you think got better, the most better? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think if you're looking at it for this season, I think Philly. I think Philly has a a better shot because we still don't. Look, I I assume that Brooklyn's just going to end up paying this fine and and Kyrie's going to be there for the playoffs. I think... Simmons will eventually get back onto the court. Um, Adam Silver's able- already came out today and was like, I think it's stupid that away players can play and home players can't in New York. In New York, So it's pretty already- stupid. That's yeah. a pretty stupid rule. I get it. But when you got the commissioner saying it, shit, they might not even find him. Yeah. So I think Kyrie will be back. And, and if that's the case, and, you know, I want to, I, I want to see what Simmons looks like. It's been, Eight months since he's played basketball in the NBA, um, I, I like it better for them long term because I think I, I think that's just such a great fit with with two guys that are so uh, well, one guy that's so ball dominant, and then maybe the, the most easy superstar to play with in the history of NBA basketball. So I like I really like the fit there because just like I mentioned last week, he, he's not going to have the pressure to to have the ball in his hands in big moments. He could just be a glue guy. Um, he could just distribute the ball the way he wants to. He can rebound, and he can play defense. You know, I, I think it's a great fit. And for them to, to get Curry too in that trade was a boon. Um, I think that's huge for them, giving them another shooter. And I think we'll see what happens with Durant when he when he makes it back. But if the three of them get back onto the court, hopefully for more than sixteen games and six hundred and thirty five minutes, or you know whatever it was that they played together, the the the, the previous big three. I think I think it's good for both teams. I like the Nets long term. I don't know how you trust Harden in in any situation now moving forward. You know, it's the second year he's forced his way out of out of a out of a town by not playing hard, <laughs> basically just quitting. You know, gaining weight. You, did, you read, did you read some of the stuff like showing up at him, halftime? Did, did you see him when he got off the bus in Philly though? It's the same fucking thing when he left Houston. I think he was wearing a fat suit again. (laughs) He, when he gets traded in in a single day, he loses fifteen fucking pounds. He's done it twice, two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I I love the 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 pairing of of the two of them, Harden and Embiid. Um, What was what was what were you going to say about the stuff at halftime? Oh, he's showing up at the game like against the Jazz, like with the Nets. Like, I guess he didn't show up to the arena until halftime. And then they were flying. The team after the game was flying to Denver to play the Nuggets, and he took a flight to to Vegas and was a partying. <laughs> it's just been shit like that. And we know, like, like 
in Houston, that was what rubbed Chris Paul the wrong way because he kind of called the shots. Like they'd be like, "Well, no, we're getting on a flight to go to our next city," and you know, Harden wanted to stay, so Maury would let the team stay, and then they'd have to fly out the next day. So it, you know, he's in a place where you know that shit flies now. But um, you know, I don't. I don't. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Is that really different than? just taking two weeks off and not calling the team and hey. hold on when the team's playing you're on like zoom calls for like s- stuff <laughs> i mean i get it i get it it's not as bad but it's in the same vicinity no absolutely it absolutely is you know Kyrie obviously is not the most trust Kyrie's one of the main reasons they went and fucking got james harden because he just wasn't there. It was a two-week stretch where he just wasn't there, and they weren't sure what they were going to get from him. But one thing you can never accuse him of is playing poorly on purpose. I think that that's – look, for all the stupid shit that he says and does, like Kyrie's nearly irreplaceable for what he does on the court. Nearly. I'm not saying he's – you know, but he's a very unique talent who's incredible at finishing at the rim, best ball handler in the league. Harden, for everything that Kyrie can do in the playoffs, Harden's never done it. If you, if you go listen to the Zach Lowe podcast, like his best games are when his teams are up three and one and three zero in series. Like he has two game, I believe it's game sevens where he's two of eleven in, in the playoffs. Like he just doesn't come up big. It's not like oh we're forgetting about something. Like Zach Lowe said, he went back and did all the research. He's like he's had like two two or three huge games in the playoffs, and they all come when the teams have huge leads. So I think long term, I like this. I like this for the Nets better. Uh, I. Harden just is combustible. They can get out from Kyrie and not have to worry about it, and they'll still have, you know, they're still going to have KD and Durant. But, um, all right, Simmons. So, uh, and even if those guys get back this year, I like it better for them this year as well. If the, if those guys can all get on the court, you know, that remains to be seen. But if that can happen, I like it better for the Nets this year too. So, very similar. I saw somebody on Twitter talking about they can't wait to see Pete Davidson's next stand-up comedy specials so he can tell everybody about all this shit that's going on with Kanye and Kim, <laughs> right? Very similar to that, which it's so fucking true. I cannot wait till Pete Davidson puts on a comedy special. Somebody is going to write a book about the last 14 months of what's gone on with the Nets, and that is going to be, I have to read it. I've got to read it. Like, I have to know. It's going to dig into the Kyrie stuff. It's going to dig into the James Harden stuff. It's going to dig into the Steve Nash isn't our coach and what's really going on behind the scenes. Like, I can just see Kyrie just being like, Steve Nash, shut the fuck up. You know, shut shut the fuck up and go sit down. I cannot wait. So, from that perspective, two pieces of content, media that are coming out in the next five years or so that I cannot wait to consume. So to answer the question, who won this? Which team got the most better? I'm going to say both. And I think that's a little bit of a cop-out. But the reason why I say that is both teams got what they needed. The Sixers needed more offense. They needed a ball handler. They needed somebody that can handle pick and roll. They needed three-point shooting. They got what they needed. And the Nets needed defense. Right? Let's not forget that Ben Simmons is probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA. And Andre Drummond is a interior defender that they got, which is sort of a little bit of a throw-in. But when you think about what the Nets lacked or what everybody kind of said, yeah, but. The yeah, but with them was always, are they ever going to be able to stop somebody? Now, one through four, depending on who they're playing, if they're playing the Bucks, they can put Ben Simmons on Giannis. Look, he's, he is not going to stop Giannis but he can certainly slow Giannis down, right? If they're playing the Bulls, they can put Ben Simmons on DeRozan. If they're playing the Heat, they can put him on Jimmy Butler. And the reality is, is lots of times the big the big thing with putting your best player or one of your best players on the other team's best player in the playoffs or an extended series is it takes away from their offense. Well, you don't have to worry about that with Ben Simmons. Right. So it's really a perfect addition for the Nets from that standpoint. So I think both teams got exactly what they wanted. Kevin Durant said that in that magical piece of (laughs) TV last week with the draft, with the all star game draft. If anybody has not seen it, Google it. It would it 
was some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. LeBron <laughs> with the clipboard and just the guys on TNT just going in, right? They went at Kevin Durant and they asked him the questions that I think even on folks on ESPN or, or other channels would have been afraid to, but you know, TNT just has a different cast of characters. So well, I think KD showed why, why the people are afraid to ask him those questions with his responses. But I also think the bit with, with, with like keeping hard up there. And I'm so glad that LeBron yeah. like realized it got in on it. Yeah. I, that was just, so, just, just the whole, the whole thing, the whole thing was just fantastic. It was, it was great. I will say this though, even though I think both teams won, what I will say is, and, and this sort of lends to your point of short term, it's probably more beneficial for the Sixers. Long term, it, it's probably a better look for the Nets. The Sixers are a more stable organization with an established coach, right? They have Doc. I think one of the challenges that you're going to see, right? Obviously, like you said, Ben Simmons hasn't played in eight months. We don't know what he's going to look like, what his conditioning looks like, where his mental health is. I hope he's in a really good place. I hope he's in a better place. I know that anytime, you know, mental health issues just don't go away, right? They, they have a tendency to come back. So that's obviously something that they're going to have to monitor and, you know, help support for him. But the Nets are going to need more time to gel, right? Kevin Durant's out with injury. You got to bring Ben Simmons back. Kyrie's a half man. What, what did Charles Barkley call him? <laughs> Half man, half a season. <laughs> half man, half a season, right? You're going to have Kyrie for six games, and then you're not going to have him for four, right? So it's it's one of those things where it's, it's just the nature of this team and some of the challenges that they're facing, it's going to take them more time to gel. So let's watch and see what that looks like. And then I already talked about it. I think Steve, Matt, Steve Nash is a major question mark for this team. And is he the coach moving forward? I don't know. We'll see, but to me, uh, the Sixers are are going to probably reap the benefits more quickly from this. And let's not let's not forget. I mean, they traded a guy that hasn't played in eight months for a top five, ten player in the NBA. Yes. So, like, yeah, I think that that's quite a boon. Yeah, he's a better. He's just a better player. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. I think that's I think that's that's a really good point. All right, so let's go back. Let's revisit the preseason stuff. Let's just go awards, playoff predictions, your regular season awards. Who did you have for MVP, Depoy, and Rookie of the Year? Uh, I'm gonna have to to guess here because I, I don't I don't have it. I thought I had it written down. You didn't write it down. I can't find it. I can't. I can't. All right. It's on a it's on a different um. Excel sheet, and I've been looking for it, and I can't find it. Right. I know I know for rookie, I went with Cade. I know for MVP, I went with Giannis. And I know for the finals, I took the Lakers over. Um, I think I took the Lakers over the Bucks. Okay. So yeah. do you, Okay, so let's go one by one here. Do you still think Giannis is going to win the MVP? No. Who do you think is going to win the MVP? Jojo. Okay. So you got Embiid. I do. You don't remember who you had for Depoy, so we're not even going to go there. Rookie of the year, you had Cade Cunningham. Do you still think he's going to win it? No. Who do you think is going to win the rookie of the year? Your Cleveland Cavaliers, Evan Mobley. Okay. So you had the Lakers over the Bucks in the finals. Do you still believe that that will yeah. be the finals matchup? I'm going to go ahead and stick with that one. <laughs> it's like me sticking with the fucking Browns. That's, I think it might be might be worse. Yours, no, nothing could be worse than that. Okay, so I do have mine written down. So you're sticking with Lakers over Bucks. No, I'm not. I okay. am. I'm gonna go. Oh man, I'm gonna go with the Bucks over. Uh, over the Suns, I'm going to go with the rematch, and I'm, I think they're going to do it again. Okay. So my preseason rookie of the year was Jalen Green. I do not think Jalen Green's going to win. I think Evan Mobley has – he's in the driver's seat right now, but a guy to watch. I think Barnes has creeped up on him. Josh Giddy. I get Giddy. Is a, he's fucking triple-double. He's a walking triple-double. Like, that's a guy to watch over the second half of the season because if he can continue to do that – I think he can creep up because Mobley is 
he doesn't put up huge numbers, right? He'll score 10 points, have nine rebounds. You know, he kind of does it all, whereas Giddy's doing things that are a little more flashy, Scotty Barnes. So I think those are two names to watch, but I think right now Mobley is in the driver's seat. And I'm going to say that I think Mobley wins it, but I think Josh Giddy's going to be a guy that you start to hear his name more and more and more. And then MVP, I had Giannis just like you, and I'm also changing it to exactly what you changed it to is Joel Embiid. I think that, you know, he's just doing really great things. And when James Harden comes, it's only going to improve his situation and make his life easier. So we're going to go with Joel Embiid there. Now, playoff predictions. I'm going to tell you this. I think we got to keep an eye on buyouts. Dragic, Schroeder, Gary Harris, John Wall, Tristan Thompson. There's some other names in there. Some of these teams are going to get better. And that's something to take into consideration that we are making these predictions pre-buyout. Look, what if the Cavs got a guy like Goran Dragic? I think that changes everything. Or if they got Dennis Schroeder. I don't know. You know, Sounds like, sounds like Dragic is pretty locked into uh, Dallas. Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying I'm, I'm using that as an example. A team like the Cavs, who does not have a secondary ball handler, if they could get a guy that could handle the ball, it really changes things. So I just want to put that, you know, there's a lot of names out there that are being floated of guys that could be buyout candidates and they could really help a lot of these teams. So Eastern Conference preseason, I had Milwaukee versus Miami in the finals. I'm going to stick with that. I will say this. The East is – the West Insane. is very top-heavy. The East is just top to bottom really, really good. Seating is going to be huge in the East. You do not want to have to play Milwaukee and New Jersey – or, excuse me, Brooklyn – or, you know, Philly, like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, if you could finagle it so you only have to play one of those contenders, you're in a really good situation. And I, I don't I don't know if that happens, but seeding is going to be huge in the East. I'm going to stick with Milwaukee versus Miami as my Eastern Conference Finals. The Western Conference Finals, I had the Lakers versus the Warriors. I'm going to switch that. I'm going with the Suns versus the Warriors. My finals, I had the Lakers over the Bucks as well. I am also changing that to the rematch that you suggested, the Suns versus the Bucks. However, I think the Suns win it this time. I, I don't know. You know, the Suns, I've been watching them lately. They're just a more mature version of what they were last year. Last year, I think they were a little bit ahead of schedule. This year, I think... You know, some teams are ahead of schedule and they get beat and they kind of shrink, right? The Suns, you could tell that that team was in the lab. Chris Paul, I mean, he's he's an MVP candidate. He's playing some of the best basketball of his career. Devin Booker, I mean, that whole team is just – they're really, really good. So I like the Suns to beat the Bucks in the rematch in the NBA Finals. Do you have anything else? I'm making a switch. I'm making a change in the water cooler challenge. So before you try to jump in there and, and steal it from me. You're trading the Sixers for the Lakers. I am trading. You know, I'm thinking about dropping Memphis, to be honest with you. I've been going back and forth on this. I am going to drop the number one overall pick in the water cooler challenge. I'm going to drop the Lakers. I just don't think – here's the thing. I don't think you can drop any of your teams to pick them up, right? Like, I'm, I just – I think they'll kind of float out there for a while. It would be the Cavs if I was going to drop anybody. I just think, like – I just think they're the sixth best team in the East. And, I, I mean, they 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 have the least best shot of, of anyone on my roster to make it to the finals. Um, if you, However, if you were dropping Memphis, I, I, I would absolutely drop Cavs yeah, for them. I'm dropping the Lakers, and I'm picking up Philly. It pains me. I'm I'm sad that I have to do that because I had really high hopes for that team this year. But you know, this might be exactly what we need to get LeBron, um, LeBron Part Three in Cleveland. So, oh, Jesus. Anything else? Shout out Scotty Scheffler, first PGA Tour win last week at the magnificent Waste Management Phoenix Open. That was uh, just what a show! What a show all weekend, all week really. We need to go out there to that, dude. I'm I'm telling you, I've had I've I've had this plan. Next year, the Super Bowl is in Phoenix. So here's the plan: 
You go to the tournament. You fly into Vegas. You go to Vegas Friday night. You go to the tournament Saturday. Super Bowl Sunday. And if the game, if the Browns aren't playing in it, (laughs) you come home after that. Keep me in mind on that plan. All right. So upcoming, we got NFL offseason. We are going to take, obviously, we talked NFL this week. We'll probably take a week or two off the NFL. But you got the combine on March 1st. You got free agency starting March 16th. You got the draft on April 28th. So hopefully we'll be able to get Alex Gilstrap. Uh, our friend Alex Gilstrap back on. And then, you know, it's it's NBA from here on out, really, for the next, you know, couple months until we get to the playoffs. For all you pop culture lovers and nerds out there, don't forget Zero Dark Nerdy. It's another podcast that we are affiliated with on the Believe Podcast Network. Please check them out. On Facebook, at Zero Dark Nerdy. On Instagram, at ZDN underscore podcast. Don't forget about us. At WC Sports Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like, follow, subscribe. We are available on all your favorite streaming platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you can find podcasts, you can find us. You can also find us on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. And as always, we are presented by the one and only BetOnline.ag and NordVPN. With that, we love you and enjoy your lives. Get your VPN set up with Nord. Somebody suck me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.